0: introducing the new City Life Church app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sundays, browse and keep up with connect groups, stay up to date with church life through our blog section, and much more. Download the City Life app today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. We are all about making Jesus known. We pray that these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message.
1: I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas. Did you have a good good time? I did, I did, I had a lot of fun. Um, I, I also took a little bit of time away this week I went out to West Texas to spend a little bit of time with my family, with, uh, with my mom and dad, especially. Uh, uh, you know, mom, mom was sick and, and you know, dad was not feeling well either. So basically what I did is I hung out with them in their apartment, went down to the cafeteria with them and then would run back and forth to the drugstore or grocery store. <laughs> but I had a great time, I really did. It's always fun being with family. And so I, I just went out there and enjoyed myself with them. And, and it's funny because after all these years, Spending time with my family, uh, you know, getting, you know, spending time with mom and dad, I'm still learning things about the family. You know, it's just like you get together and like, well, why didn't I know that? Like, like how old am I? How old are y'all? Why didn't I know that? Uh, but it was, uh, uh, we were just having this little casual conversation and my my mother brought up just out of nowhere, she goes, oh yeah, and I, you know, that copy that I have of of my brother's uh, journal from World War II and, and I was like, "What? Do you, what wait, 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 what? stop mom what are you talking about she said she said you know that 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 journal that i have of of my brother ray and and uh, his experience in world war ii i said you i didn't know you had anything like that she said oh yeah she said he had he had handwritten it out and years and years ago i i typed it up for him and and everything and and it talks all about his time at pearl harbor and and all that happened and so i said get it out get it out where is it well it's in a file somewhere it's gonna be hard no it's not gonna be hard get it well of course within 30 seconds mom has it right there in her hands you know and 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 she pulls this this uh this journal out and it's all typed up and the paper's all yellow and and it's fragile and and she said oh you know if you if you want to you can make copies of it and and I was like, well I'll just take some little snapshots of it I did I, I took pictures of it and and put it in my phone and and, and I started reading it, and mom and dad wanted to keep talking about, like, the weather or whatever. It's like, I, I want to read this, but I thought, no, I'll respect them. I can read this any day. But um, I learned about my uncle a little bit more, and, and I've kind of, honestly, the past few days have kind of just been riveted by what he went through uh, during his time in the Navy. Um, I knew that he was in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, when it was attacked by the Japanese. Uh, but I really didn't know much more. I knew he was in the Navy, but now I actually have in my possession his story, Uncle Ray's story, from his own pen, and um, it's kind of interesting because he he joined the Navy when he was 17, and he'd been enlisted for about 10 months when he was moved over to Pearl Harbor area in in Hawaii, and um, and this he was actually moved over there right about six weeks prior to what we now know in american history as the day that will live in infamy Uh, that's when the japanese launched this surprise attack against america which launched us into world war ii and forever changed the face of america and and even our standing in the world My, my, my uncle ray wrote about that day I just want to share with you a few excerpts from his journal. There are some things I won't even share with you because it's so grotesque that he talks about it. it, 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 it just, I still have images in my mind of some of the stuff he talked about, not just from Pearl Harbor, but later on in the war, that, uh, that I, I was like, man, I, how in the world did he make it through that? Um, but I want to read to you because I've, I've seen the movies. I, I've, I've seen the movies about Pearl Harbor. I've read, the, I've read about it. I've seen it in history. And, and now... Next time I see a movie, I can probably place where my uncle was after understanding everything he went through. But Uncle Ray wrote this. He says, on December 7th, 1941, as I was writing a letter home, I heard an explosion. He says, I thought a plane had crashed nearby. Then shortly afterward, the bugle sounded battle stations and the sirens verified the call to action. Uncle Ray says, I I raced for my battle station expecting anything to happen. Our first job was to break the locks off the ammunition boxes and fire when ready. And that we did. The 50 caliber machine gun, of which I was to fire, was not ready. This gun was water-cooled, but the water was not turned on. So, as I watched the first enemy plane's approach, I opened fire, and the just bullets went wild. And the plane came in so low, and it fired at my ship, He says, it was so close, I could even see the Japanese pilot myself. During the attack, there was so much going on and so many explosions. It was unbelievable. The USS Utah, which was right next to them, was hit by an aerial torpedo. I watched as this battleship was hit, and it turned over, and it sank. And the crew had little time to react. I watched as the men made a futile effort to abandon ship. Some slid off each side of the ship that was slowly turning over. Many of those who slid off into the water were sucked under, never to come back up. Then to the rear of our ship, a Japanese midget sub was approaching and heading straight for us. And it had surfaced, but fortunately a destroyer spotted this sub and dropped the depth charge and sank it, and our ship managed to put a five-inch shell in the sub before it sank also. All I could do was pray and think, what next? So about that time, a Japanese plane came in low and crash-dived into the USS Curtis, which was anchored near us, and it killed the entire gun crew, understanding my uncle's on a gun crew, so he's seeing this happening to his friends. By this time, every ship near us was either damaged or sunk. Our ship alone was unscathed, and the enemy was having a field day. I looked back at the USS Utah, and I watched some of the men as they heard a tapping, and and they got a torch, and they cut a hole in the side of the ship, and they pulled one man out to safety. But how many men died on or in that ship? I don't know. Perhaps hundreds. Hundreds. It was simply a one-sided battle, and it was my first taste of war. Then later in the evening, there was a report of approaching planes. We were ready now, and we were over the initial shock, and we were hoping the planes would come right toward us. They they're ready for action now, and they did. I was manning my machine gun with the water on and ready, and several large bombers that were similar to the B-17 were closing in and we were given orders to fire, and every gun on the ship opened fire. And the planes came in low, and every shell that I fired went directly to its target, because I froze on the trigger. I had one thing in my mind, and that was revenge. As the planes came in low, I had doubts, though, that these were enemy planes. And with the orders to cease fire, I was horrified to see that we shot down our own planes and pilots this experience was the worst we felt hopeless just some little excerpts from that day can you imagine really can you imagine uh now (laughs) the question is how in the world do you have hope in the middle of such pain and devastation i mean think of it this way you know even if you were in the military and you may have even seen some action, still, you've not seen this. So in our minds, I I, mean, I want you just to imagine hundreds of people from your city, maybe from your company or your office building or, or your neighborhood, totally, just brutally killed right in front of your eyes. And now imagine then reacting and then accidentally killing some of your own neighbors and friends work associates. That's the horror. Um, and many of you will have never experienced anything like this, nor will you. Um, yep. Sometimes you still feel like your world that you're in is just attacking you and it's wanting to destroy you. and It's like every available force of hell is coming against you and it looks hopeless for you. Sure, it may not be December 7th, 1941, in your life, but sometimes it just feels like it. See, hopelessness can be emotionally and spiritually devastating. That's why I'm a pastor who preaches hope, because I don't want you to live in a state of hopelessness. Now, as I read my the, the, the entire story of my uncle from World War II, all the way through the invasion of Okinawa in 1944, it was like, honestly, it was like I was reading a novel. Uh, it's it just like, this has to be fiction. I mean, again, you can see it in movies and hear stories, but when it's coming from your own uncle in his words, you know that there's no fabrication here. But it's true. And I think, you know, how, how, how did Uncle Ray make it? I mean, how was Uncle Ray able to stay resolved in his hope? Or reading through his story um, basically what he did is he kept focused on his mission and even in the middle of it all he would laugh and have fun adventures with his buddies Um, he was always encouraging people around him and he was always helping somebody else around him uncle ray read the scriptures he prayed and he let god give him daily strength That sounds kind of simplistic, but is it really any difference for us? See, here, regardless of the stress you're under, regardless of the hopelessness that you might feel, my encouragement is focus on your mission. (laughs) Laugh. Maybe not as the battle's happening, but in the middle of your life, how often have a good time with some other people and help some people. Give some other people hope. Lean into God, lean into God's word, you know, as I, was, as I was thinking about how my Uncle Ray made it through those years in the military, I was thinking, wow, that, that's, it kind of, the way he did that is actually what we do in church. See, some people see church as, well, like an event. Some people see church as maybe a building or a place. And, and uh, it, it's where you come and you hear to someone, someone give a talk. And, and you listen or you fall asleep or whatever you do, and then you go home and you repeat the tradition the next week. That's not church. That's not church. This is the visible public gathering, but that's not church. See, the church isn't an event. Church isn't a place, because church is people. Church is something we are. It, it's something we do. It's, it's really Church is really less about us and more about God and other people, which then helps us and gives us hope. See, church is what we do. It's like actually what Uncle Ray did. Truly, really church is a place where we're reminded to stay in our mission. It's the place where we do laugh and haul off and have a good time with others. It's where we help people help one another and even are inspired and encouraged to help others outside of here. We, we give other people hope a place where we lean into the word of god and we lean into god just like uncle ray did i just think i, I just think that you know that is actually a, a great recipe for hope the truth is over the next 24 hours people are going to be celebrating and many will have this hope or anticipation that next year is going to be better or possibly just a little better than this year but but the truth is holding a celebration or, or thinking about having more hope next year it's not going to make it happen That doesn't make it, it doesn't like, Oh, if I think it's gonna happen, it's gonna, no, no, it doesn't. See, hope is actually created um, by Uncle Ray's World War II method. Hope is created, really, by the function of the church. That's why church is. We are an is, we're a be, we're not not an event or an activity or a talk. And, and, And guys, I'm gonna tell you this. I'm resolved this year as we move into this next year, I'm resolved to help you be resolved in hope. See, because hope is really found when we do make it less about ourselves. I'll tell you guys, self-centeredness always destroys us. You focus on self, you will get hopelessness. And it's all through the scriptures. And I see it around me all the time. I've seen it so often. And, and so how do we do this especially in today's world because our world is very self-centered it is and so so and we live in this culture and so it's not easy it's you know what it's just, honestly it's easier said than done and I struggle with it just like you do but that again is the reason why there's so much hopelessness and of course practically speaking many of you have your one word for this year and your word is up there on that banner the word that you chose to 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 be uh, the word that you're going to use as a launching pad and it's going to kind of be your theme for the year and and, and then of course then uh, you know practically speaking you have that one word and then you're going to set up some goals setting up goals is good it's great in fact i saw someone post i think jeremy or someone posted something in the partners page about how you know some good goal setting techniques I, that's all good you should do that you know, you really really should you devise a plan to reach your goals and but but instead of making new year's day or moving into the new year a time of making a bunch of resolutions i'm asking you just to be resolved in one thing be resolved in hope because you will be a person of hope in 2018 and you will not allow hopelessness to win See, worry and stress is actually at the root of hopelessness. And we feel like things are spinning out of control in our lives. And, and so we start to worry about saying, well, how am I going to make ends meet? What am I going to do? And you just want to give up and you get frustrated and exhausted. And, and oh, my goodness, how is this going to work out? Well, well, the good thing is actually fortunately Jesus talked to us about this. And this is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. And I'd love for you to see this. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to get your Bibles and look at it as well. And write this down because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus is talking to people about this issue of being so stressed out about everything around you that you miss the point. And I'm telling you guys, this is good for us. This is good for us right here. So Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 28, he says, "Why do you worry about your clothes?" And then for me, it's like, it's either, for me, like with clothes, it's, I see, I don't worry about getting clothes in my closet because they appear. I, I don't know how they get there. I, I do not shop for clothes. I will shop for like some workout shorts and t shirts, which my wife refuses to buy for me, but that, that's about it. And, and so I don't shop for clothes, they appear. But, uh, but, uh, but I, I stress out when I realize I'm going to have to choose clothes and go somewhere because I don't, I won't wear the wrong, wear the wrong clothes, and I will inevitably do so if I'm not told what to wear. And so i don't think why in the world do we care about that <laughs> you know but, but jesus is saying this why are you worrying about your clothes he says see how the flowers of the fields grow and they don't labor or spin yet i tell you that not even solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these and if that's how god clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire how much or will he not much more clothe you you of little faith and don't worry don't worry saying well, what are we going to eat or well, what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear jesus said the pagans now what, what is a pagan a pagan is is a person who's just living for themselves okay that's a person who's totally living for themselves the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father already knows that you need them but here's what he says and it's interesting It's a little cryptic for us, but I want to walk us through it. He said, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, so Jesus gives his condition. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and God's going to make sure that your needs are taken care of. In other words, Jesus is saying, stop stressing about what you don't have. Stop worrying about your problems. Stop acting like everything's hopeless because you can't figure it out. Jesus is saying, readjust your focus. Stop stressing about the problems because worry and fear and stress it will freeze you up. So, so, so basically, do what Jesus said. He's he's basically saying, They're doing this. Adjust your focus because seeking God's kingdom actually gives us hope. That is what gives us hope. It's not something we conjure up in our minds. Well, again, what does it mean to seek God's kingdom? Well, I, I, what does it mean? Seek, look for God's kingdom. Well, kind of. Basically, th- the simplest way to to put this is this is is you are going to seek after and do what is important to God did you catch me you're going to seek after and do what is important to God and when you do that it's going to inject hope into your system and and you don't just move from hopelessness to hopeful by sacking yourself up uh, reading some cool self-help book I'm not against that that's great stuff but 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 that's not going to give you hope it's going to be seeking God's kingdom. So, okay, I want to dig a little deeper. What else did Jesus say about this? Well, in John 10, 10, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. All right? But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So, so basically, look at that. Th- there are two roles there that Jesus, Jesus explains. One is, I would just call it the role of hell. It, it's the thief, where, where uh, it's all about theft, death, and destruction, stealing, killing, destroying. And uh, and some of you, that's what you're feeling today. Uh, you've been stolen from, and there's death, and there's destruction. And I I know this is what I'm, definitely what Uncle Ray was feeling back on December seventh, nineteen forty one, and that happens to all of us because Satan is active. All right. But here, guys, catch this. We don't stay there. We don't stay there and worry and stress because if you do, the enemy wins. Just like Uncle Ray couldn't just sit there, like, "Well, I'm just going to sit here and just kind of do nothing and protect myself." In fact, one time, as I was reading, he said the only time he just tried to protect himself was when his gun just didn't work, and he all he could do was just kind of hide, so he didn't get so he didn't get killed. But the other role that we see in this passage of scripture is the role of Jesus. Now. He promised to deliver us something called life to the full. So if we are seeking after God's kingdom, which is the antidote for hopelessness, then what we're going to do is we're going to let God flow through us and we become like Jesus to other people. I know you're not divine, you're, you're, not, you're not Jesus himself, but we become like the hands and feet of Jesus. So, and we do this to fill other people with hope and life as well. So honestly, we get hope when we give hope. We get hope when we give hope. But with the common excuse is, well, sure, Pastor, that sounds good, but, but that's for somebody else because my life is really bad, it's really tough, I'm just doing everything I can to survive. I mean, could not, I just barely even made it here today. I slid on the road. Well, wrong, because survival is playing defense. Hey, guys, I'm sure things have been tough. Every one of us walk through tough stuff, and I'm not even in any way trying to gloss over anyone's personal pain, but there is always someone else who is in greater need, who is in greater pain, uh, weightier loneliness, or deeper depression than you. And for me, I was looking back at my uncle I thought, how in the world did he go through that and come out on the other side sane? There's always someone else going through something worse. And you know what? They need the life of Jesus that is poured into you. And so we're, we're to give life and to bring life wherever we go. And, and, and you need to start ignoring the feelings that you have nothing to give. And I'm, I'm asking us all to choose the abundance perspective. The abundance perspective says there's always more. That means when you pour out, God will pour back in because it's impossible to give too much. See, isn't that what we said? God's kingdom, which we're seeking after, it exists in this abundance perspective. Because as we are seeking the kingdom of God, that means doing the things that God cares about. God makes sure everything else is taken care of for us. Do you get that? So, so, so we should live in this we should live in this abundance perspective and give this abundance perspective away to other people and if you're if you're going to be resolved for hope in 2018 then you need to adjust your focus and and you do it through seeking god's kingdom because seeking god's kingdom is going to give you hope and that means you're going to give you're going to share you're going to spend time with others you're going to encourage others you're going to go the extra mile and you're even going to do it from people who may not deserve it i was just thinking about my uncle I'm sure there were a few guys on his ship that he just did not like. There are other stories about that as I read his, on and on in his story. But uh, I'm sure there's some people here he didn't like, but he was defending them too. Isn't that interesting? That's how we find hope. Because you get hope when you give hope. Earlier this week I was talking to my son Ian and uh, we were talking about this future event, and it's called the Judgment Seat of Christ. It's something that I learned about when I was taking theology and, and studying about, uh, you know, all this theological stuff that I'm supposed to know, in the Bible, and I, I love it, but but the Judgment Seat of Christ is actually where uh, we will receive rewards on, uh, basically, on what we've, how we've brought, and what we've brought from God's kingdom into the lives of other people, and, uh, and, and I, was, I was explaining this to him, and and he just said, you know, it was so funny because I was taught that, that when, when we get to heaven and, and at, this, at the judgment seat of Christ, what it's really about is God's going to show this video of your whole life and every sin you've ever done to shame you. And I'm like, i like, how? I said, wait, where did you learn that? Well, a, a teacher taught me that in, in my kid's church. I'm like, well, I'm going to find that teacher and smack him upside the face. In, in love, in love, in love, in love. Of course, we, we try diligently to make sure that good theology is taught everywhere in our church because you don't want your kid growing up with that. Thinking, well, you know, God's a scary God. Oh, what's going to happen when I get to the end? This video is going to play of my whole life and everything I've ever done. I'm going to be humiliated in front of God. No, the scripture says when we receive Christ and we receive, get our sins forgiven, God can't even remember it. He did not have some video okay let's 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 drop the video picture of god and this movie he's going to show in heaven in front of you and all your friends and your family's going to go well 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 what a loser you are no that isn't going to happen okay you got that you see because the judgment seat of christ is something totally different um this is about what we've poured into the lives of other people and it involves specific actions taken in this life. Okay, I mean, There's another word for the judgment seat of Christ and it's actually called the Bema seat which is B-E-M-A. B-E-M-A. Now that's a, that's a Greek term and I'm sure you don't use it every day. You probably don't at all but, it's, but many people know it as the Bema seat judgment and that's, it's also called that in the scriptures. But, but the, here's what's cool. The concept... The Bible talks about this, about the bema seat, but the concept of the bema seat judgment is this. It comes from the ancient Olympics, which they were very well, they understood well. And there was this judge that would sit at the Olympics during the races, and he would sit on what was called the bema seat, all right? The judge at the Olympics sat on the bema seat at the finish line, and the judge had a sole purpose. And that judge would watch the people racing, and that judge was to determine the bema seat judgment, determine what position the runners came in: first, second, third, you know, so on. So, so as a result of that, the judge from the bema seat would then deliver to those people their appropriate rewards for whether they for if they won. You see, now is that pretty cool? Now you understand. That's the judgment of God. He's like, come on, I want you to get across that finish line. I'm watching, boom, 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 boom. Oh, I've got all my stuff I'm ready to give to you. That's the judgment of God. Oh, yeah, it's not a video. It's a pretty cool thing. But here, there's a flip side to it. And there's something that's motivating us in there. it's, It's basically whether or not we did anything of value to bring the kingdom of God into other people's lives. That's really what it's about which makes us really need to think. Now, the beam of is, seed is described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to just read, to you, read this to you, and just listen up here. It says, if any man builds on a foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, now the foundation basically means Christianity. You're, you're saved. You have Jesus in your life. And so you're building on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, or wood, hay, straw. It says, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light that day is going to it says it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work if he has if what he has built in this life survives the fire he will receive his reward if it's burned up he's going to suffer loss and but he himself will still be saved so what he's saying is is if you use gold silver precious gems which are the works of God to help other people, bringing life and love and peace and happiness and joy and Jesus making Jesus known to other people. If you're doing that, then those are that's the gold, that's the silver, those are the precious stones. But if you're doing stuff that's just phony and it's kind of propped up, that's like wood and and hay. You know, if you're just if you're kind of building with all of that, that's not going to win because what happens at the beema seat judgment is God will bring fire, you'll present your works to God. Basically, that's what it is. You present it to God, and he's gonna bring fire on it. That's where the fire goes, that doesn't go on you, okay? That's hell, that's a whole different thing. You're not going there, all right? Well, you better not be. But he will put the fire on your works, and if there's anything that is cheap, chintzy, propped up, of no value, wood and hay, it's it's gonna burn up. But if he puts that fire on on the gold and the silver and the precious stones, are they going to be affected by that fire? No. So what happens is after it's all done with, you look at what's built, and God's going to go, whoa, that's awesome. That is so amazing what you've done here with your life. And then he says, even if people come and they present their works to God, and it's wood and hay and it's nothing else and it burns up and there's nothing left god says well you still get to get coming to heaven it's not going to keep you out of heaven i'm not going to send you straight to hell do not pass go you know and you're not going to have to do that just because your works didn't measure up see because salvation gets us into heaven thank god right? <laughs> right so that gets us into heaven but this beam of seat judgment means is that he's going to be judging your works and so what you do on this earth counts yeah, I'll make it into heaven. But you know what? I stinking want to run to win. Stinking. I li- stinking want to run to win. I, I want to win. I, win. I don't want to just kind of get into heaven and go, well, here I am. Yay. Yeah. No, you know what? I want? I want my life to count on this earth because my rewards for eternity are based upon my few tiny little years on this earth. I want to give hope. I want to give life. And in that, when I do that, I find hope. So, so you, as you move into 2018, you know, wh- what are you going to do with your one word? Are you going to use it for yourself, or are you going to use it to help others? Will you use your one word? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just having a word that you feel God is giving you for this next year, and that's going to be your theme word. But uh, will you use your one word for Jesus' kingdom? And here's my challenge. Be Jesus be his hands and his feet to other people is that word just for you or is it for other people i'm asking you to give and to share and to pour out because this will infuse you with hope because you're infusing others with hope remember this we get hope when we give hope now my my word for 2018 is the word more and uh Again, I didn't even want to do it at first because I thought, no, people are going to think that means I want to get more, like I want to get more cars or I want to get more, more vacations or I want to get more cruises. And I've never been on a cruise. I don't want to go on a cruise because I get seasick. You know? So I, I I, like, I want more. And like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. It's not about anything for me. It's really about the abundance perspective, the abundance mentality because I want more of the grace of God I want more of the life of God and I want it pouring into me but the way it pours into me is when I let that stuff out of me. So when I give grace, I give life, I give help, I give hope, I give encouragement, I give Jesus to other people, more of that is poured into me and more can go out. See I, I even have a scripture for my one word if you don 't have a scripture for yours, you should do it a real easy way to do it is we all now have com- uh, computers and uh, Bibles on our phone. you just go and do a word search and start searching for it you know like you know, i wouldn 't pick one out like for me it 's like uh, god 's going to give more destruction to your life you know like, don 't use that one, but, but you can look at the word more in the scriptures, but i didn 't have to look because I knew what mine was I knew what my scripture would be, and, and it 's Ephesians chapter three verse twenty. I want you to listen to this because this is my theme scripture that goes with my theme word for more and it says god is able to do exceedingly abundantly more immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that's at work in us so it's based upon how much of god is i'm having poured into me you see that this means oh guys this is cool for me my word this means that If I keep myself full of God's power working in me, that the sky is the limit. And guys, that's huge. More. I watched the movie The Man Who Invented Christmas last week, and which is the story of Charles Dickens and who wrote A Christmas Carol. You know that movie about Scrooge, and and uh, we had to like drive like drive an hour to go see it. But but um, it's interesting. Charles Dickens, he uh, he said that he lived by these words that he had learned from his dad and those words were this is no one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of another and that's kind of a theme that we see throughout that that movie which really inspired generosity at Christmas um, almost uh, 180 years ago I mean, even Solomon said this: "He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed." That was in my devotional reading this morning. Well, today. I'm saying to this, to you, is this: we get hope when we give hope. You see that? So I'm asking you to adjust your focus. Seeking God's kingdom gives us what? Hope, listen, stop feeling sorry for yourself because that's hopelessness. Instead, live, really live, live to give. Seeking God's kingdom is the way to get hope because you're not focusing upon yourself but you're focusing on pleasing God. We get hope when we give hope. Paul said it this way. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Yeah, as you trust in him. So you see, there's a condition here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, you see as you trust in him, so that get this, ah, oh, this is good so that there 's a reason here, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. okay i 'm getting off my stool now. What does it mean to overflow with hope? What does that mean? well well, that means there is so much of it in you because what you've been giving and what you what God keeps pouring back into you that you are just like overflowing. I I did this the other day. I was in the kitchen and and I I was getting water from the little water thing and 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 uh and I I turned to look at someone else who wasn't paying attention and it just go water kept going all over. Water overflowed, and of course I was like, oh, you know, like, like that, but but. Nah, really, this thing of overflowing, it's wonderful because when we live life like that, when somebody bumps up against you, when someone nudges into you, when someone uh, kind of like destabilizes you for a minute, what's going to happen to them? That's a sound effect. They're going to get inundated with what? Whatever's inside of you. My friend, Romans 15, 13 is a stinking good scripture. See, hope is going to spill out. We get hope when we give hope. Oh, Pastor Tamlo, I'm just going to pursue simplicity this year. I'm going to serve less. I'm going to do less. I'm going to coast for a while. I'm telling you, if your primary pursuit is simplicity, you're going to lose out. Because hope is never obtained by doing Nothing. this 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 attitude of of seeking god's kingdom first and pursuing what matters to god the most that means that you're going to be giving hope god's going to be giving you hope but it also means that you're going to need to make some commitments and that's that's really what it comes down to i I don't want you to leave and go oh that was a nice little message i'm sure it was for someone else no it's for you (laughs) you see starting off this next year simply by trying to do less stuff that's going to backfire I mean, think of it, how many times have you tried that in the past? How many times have you stayed unchanged? What I'm talking about, though, is really isn't, isn't a quick fix either, but it's a process, a process that begins with making a commitment to focus upon what God cares about. And, and, and there are commitments that you are going to give hope. You're going to give hope uh, knowing that God is going to give you hope. You want to be hopeful? You're going to be given hope. My, the way my Uncle Ray found hope in World War II after experiencing Pearl Harbor is he kept focused on his mission he'd laugh and have fun and go on adventures with his buddies he would encourage people around them and help people he would read the scriptures and he would pray and he would let God give him daily strength and he would minister to like what he called natives on some of the islands they went to it's the same for us regardless of the stress you're under, regardless of the hopelessness you can feel, focus on your mission. Laugh. Haul off and have a good time. Have a good time with others and help people. Give people hope. Lean into God. Lean into His Word. And today, I dare you and I just flat out challenge you to enlist in the adventure of a lifetime to make new healthy commitments to serve, to reach out, to do ministry in your church and to do ministry in the community. I'm telling you, this is the only way this is going to work, and you have a choice. Well, you can. I'm going to think about this, or I'm pray about this. No, you don't need to think and pray about it. All right, you just need to do it. All right. Sometimes we say, "Well, I'll pray about that." You're going to pray about doing God's will? No, don't, 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 don't. All (laughs) right. Here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to say, "God, open up my heart regarding making some new commitments to, to fueling your kingdom this year." and i'm going to give hope and i am going to be resolved in hope in 2018 so adjust your focus because seeking god's kingdom gives us hope i have some real specifics these these are specific things that that will help you as we move into this next month because i'm going to be challenging you on all three of these things as we move into the next year one is to simply be at our vision banquet oh well why 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 be that no no you need to be there you need to be there because this is what this this is going to be inspiration but it's also going to be information and education and and i believe it's going to to impact your life and motivate you on ways that you can even give more hope to people in your life and people around you you need to also serve in your church you heard the little talk about it just a few moments ago if you're not serving your church you should be everyone should be serving in your church we 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 all do here and uh Way to do that is you, you need to take a Connect card out today and mark it that, uh, hey, I want to serve. Just right on the back, I want to serve. Take it over there to the Next Steps people and, 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 and do that. A third way that I'm going to be challenging you starting next week heavily is to serve in your community. Serve people who have less than you. Serve people who, has left, who have less hope than you. Serve people in need. That is being Jesus' hands and feet. We have opportunities all around us. I'm going to give you opportunities in the next few days. Will you make a commitment to step up and do these things? Beat the vision banquet. Serve in your church. Minister in your community. I'm going to give you a lot of opportunities for that. How many of you would just honestly say, you would honestly be able to lift your hand and say, you know, Pastor, I'm in. I'm in. I want to do that. Come on, just lift your hand. How many of you say, yeah, you know what? I'm in. I want to do that. Good for you, good for you, put your hands down. See, because what's gonna happen is hope is going to begin flowing into you and out of you. You're going to feel so awesome. You're going to be overflowing so that when the negative, grouchy, grumpy person bumps into you, what's gonna come out of you? All of a sudden, more hope, more help, more life, more the goodness of God. That's what church is about. That's what we're about. And that's what I am excited about for this next year because this church is going places. We are in places. I want us to take just a moment though, and I wanted to ask the, for there to be mo- no movement at this time. I can ask you to close your eyes and focus internally. Will you do that? Just put yourself in front of God right now. Because today I, I talked about the judgment seat of Christ, but it's a beautiful place to be. It's not anything scary at all. The beam a eaten. But also you have to understand is that, God, there's also judgment that we bring upon ourselves. Which is an eternity without God, an eternity in hell, because that's real, it's very, very real, if we don't accept Christ, and we don't have our sins forgiven. Because I love the story of the beam of the seed of Christ, is because even, just think about this guys, just close your eyes and imagine this, even if you bring nothing to God, you still are going to be with him for eternity. There's not one work that you ever did for him. you will still be. That, my friend, is love. That's generosity, that's grace. So but would you even be able to have that? That's the question I want to ask you now. Maybe you've drifted from your relationship with God and you really want to know this Jesus I talk about today. You're ready to have a new beginning before you move into next year. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. It's going to be very simple. You just simply lift your hand because faith is when you respond outwardly to what you're feeling stirring inside and what you're feeling stirring inside, that's coming from the Holy Spirit. God is doing that, all right? Know this, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine and he died for you that you can have life with him for eternity and everything can change today for your future. You want to be included in this closing prayer? Lift your hand so you can surrender your life totally to Jesus. Just do, do so at the count of three. I'm going to connect my faith with yours and we're going to pray together. Will you do that? Just lift your hand if you're ready to make that commitment to serve Jesus. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Lift your hand. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Awesome. I want everyone in the room to stand with me. We're going to pray together. Come on, stand together. Let's pray. If you lifted your hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you along with every person in this room to pray these words with me because what, what's happening right now actually matters more than everything I just said earlier, all right? Because <laughs> this is the beginning place. Please pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me thank you for hope I choose to receive it and I choose to give it in Jesus name Amen
0: City Life is able to continue making Jesus known through the consistent investments of many and if you would like to invest financially into the vision you can do so at citylifefw.org Simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can stay connected through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.